Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. School of Humans. When we talked with Sheriff Alex Villanueva, he said this. Yeah, we do get a lot of the... Uh, a lot of transients, people that, that wander different areas throughout that, that whole corridor there. But so we're still, uh, you know, absent somebody coming forward and saying this is what happened and, and how, we're still going to be left with this unresolved, uh, you know, death. Sheriff Villanueva says someone out there knows something. So we need to find and talk to those people. This is a real-time investigation. And as the pandemic has unfolded, it's had a very real effect on crime. Yeah, I feel like this is really different than season one right now, because obviously with season one, you were embedded and there and meeting people. But here, now it seems kind of impossible with COVID. It's, well, I think also, like, I mean, a lot of the people involved in this are um, in a higher-risk group, and some of them are older. Like, I mean, Chip said he hasn't left his house in months. And a lot of people are kind of in that same, in that same boat. Um, I don't feel okay about going and knocking on doors. I can't go to anything. I mean, and there aren't the kind of things here like, um, you know, you can't go out and meet people at a restaurant. You can't like go to, there, you know, Malibu, that area. They, when we started this, I thought, okay, well, they have a lot of community meetings and things like that all the time normally. But obviously none of that's happening now. Yeah. And even the police and the fire guys since the summer have been so overstretched. 
usually you can find like a friendly source to take you around but even the people who I have her friendly sources are just you know kind of overwhelmed right now and it's just it's been really hard it's not I mean you know look every every single element of our lives has been changed right now and it's kind of like why should investigations be any different I'm kind of I mean it makes me think too that cold case investigations it's going to be tough because it, it's sort of like press us into a world where unless something is an absolute priority right now um it's not going to get done and i kind of feel like that's what's happening with investigations and then there's also all the fires and <laughs> yeah, the fire, I mean, yeah but that like yes that made things hard temporarily that would have been um yeah, that made it hard for, for people to go out to that area. But in a normal year where that was all that was happening, it would have been like, okay, we well wait until fire season's over and then you can go out there. But that's a problem. It's, it's, there's no, it seems like there's just kind of no end to this, um, no immediate end to this until there's a vaccine. We're getting more and more evidence that Maitrese was alive and fully clothed on the morning of September 17th. Then, at some point that day, she disappeared. So we need to answer two questions. First, could Maitrese have walked to the area where her body was found on her own? And second, who was in the neighborhood that night? Because if Maitrese did not walk there on her own, the evidence suggests that she was taken there by someone who had familiarity with the area. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone. In order to figure out who could have been the last person to see my trees, we wanted to get a better understanding of who lives in the Santa Monica Mountains. The mountain range covers a massive area. It stretches from the Hollywood Hills all the way to Point Mugu in Ventura County. Montanito, where Bill Smith lives, is a quiet neighborhood full of people who love hiking and horseback riding. But there's also an underworld in the mountains. There are transient people with no fixed address, cartels who grow pot illegally, and ultra-violent gangs. Since the pandemic, a lot of police departments that investigate cold cases have found that they've had to alter their methods. They aren't able to generate tips or to do their usual outreach. I was inspired by one department in Texas I read about who are basically doing the same thing that we're doing, doubling down on the evidence they already had. They went back to the drawing board and tried to see if there was anything that they missed. Sheriff Station Office, can I help you? Yeah, hi. Hey, uh, this is uh, uh, Smith at Cold Canyon. We had a prowler walking around through the backyard here, but we don't know what the situation was. I don't know if you have a unit in the area. It might do a little drive-by or something. We know that Bill Smith, the former KTLA Channel 5 reporter who saw my trees sitting on his back steps, called the Lost Hills Sheriff's Department in the early morning hours of September 17th. And we just had a strange woman walking through the backyard here. It's a fairly large property, and she was sitting on the steps right on the back of the house here. 
this is kind of a circular drive. Bill Smith did not speak to anyone about Mitrice in the last few years of his life. We reached out to his widow several times, but did not receive a response. Later, canine dogs were brought to the scene. They found sneaker prints that they believed were Mitrice's, and the dogs followed Mitrice's scent down the street from Bill Smith's house, then lost the scent. Investigators believe that the footprints pattern showed that Mitrice had gone from walking to running. Then they disappeared. Now, this could have been because a car drove by and picked Mitrice up. But she could have also gotten scared. Maybe she saw the police and decided to get off the road and hide in the woods. After all, her earlier interaction with the police had not gone well. There have been other people who came forward and said that they saw Mitrice that night. When we talked to Sheriff Villanueva, he said that someone saw Mitrice drinking from a garden hose after she was at Bill Smith's house. Then there was another woman, a middle school teacher, who reported that she had seen a woman matching Mitrice's description walking south on a road near Malibu Canyon at around 7.30 a.m. She told the Los Angeles Times that she remembered this because a black woman walking alone through those roads was an unusual sight. Someone else reported seeing Mitrice walking down Payuma Road, away from Malibu Canyon Road, in the direction of Dark Canyon, at around 1.30 p.m. Police pointed to these sightings as evidence that Mitrice made it through the night. We can't know for sure what happened, but we have to follow Mitrice's route as best we can and try to use the evidence to explore the likeliest possibilities. If Mitrice was wandering around during the day, she would have been exhausted, dehydrated, and by all accounts, very possibly having some sort of a breakdown. I've spent a lot of time in this area. If she had continued down Malibu Canyon Road, she would have eventually made it to the Pacific Coast Highway, back towards civilization and the impound yard where her car had been towed. But that road is treacherous. There's no shoulder. You have to walk through the mountains with steep drops on one side. And you have to walk through a tunnel with no pedestrian sideway. The other street she could have taken was Payuma Road. And Payuma Road, as we discovered while driving around, is very misleading. It seems to slope downward. But it's a long, winding road that goes from west to east. So you have the sensation of going down the mountain, but really, you're going deeper and deeper into the canyon. The evidence points to the fact that Mitrice was alive and fully clothed on the morning of September 17th, and somehow ended up in that creek bed. So that means that we need to know if she could have fallen or walked down to the creek bed from Montenito, or if someone could have dumped her down that hill. Hey y'all, it's Catherine. As you know from Helen Gone, crime can happen to anyone at any time. When it comes to home security, your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. Obviously, we cannot control everything that happens out there in the world, but when I'm in my own home, I feel very reassured by the fact that I have a home security system. And Simply Safe is affordable, easy to use, and crucially, it's easy to get started with and then build on later as you need more functionality. 
they have a huge variety of indoor and outdoor cameras. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day with no contracts and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Helengon. That's simplysafe.com slash Helengon. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Hi, Michael. Hey, Catherine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. We've talked to Mitrice's father, Michael Richardson. She just, um, you know, 
it's, it's really hard to put it into words because she was a good kid. You know, she uh, just loved to dance. She loved to entertain. She loved to be a comedian. And, and all her friends loved her. Just uh, the life of the party, so to speak, person. Um, uh, overall, incredible kid, you know, and was still at that uh, vulnerable, um, you know, I could see how the wrong people could wind her in or reel her in because, you know, as much as I tried to teach her and, and be, you know, aware of people that um, she was just always too trustworthy of people, which was a problem I had with her, you know, like always keep your guards up. And she's like, no, you just... You come from that life, so you know everybody is a suspect to that. But you know, uh, this is one of the main reasons why I always wanted to educate her on mean people. You know, so yeah, uh, to try to prevent something like this from happening. Over the years, he's talked about his suspicions with some of the people in the Montanito area. Um, and the crazy thing about it was for a whole week straight while we were in Malibu searching and looking and everything like that, we just looked up a week later and there was this white lady there and we were like, okay, and who are you? And she's like, I'm the lady I'm married to Bill Smith. I was, I own the property that she was on. And we was like, and now you show up. Like how ironic is that? Um, yeah. And so what I was telling Matisse was uh, my true mother, she asked me, like, why do you think she showed up? And I'm like, she's probably a spy knowing what's going on. And they had to get their story straight um, and they were coached. And now she feel comfortable enough to come out and, and, and see what we know so she can report it. Um, but um, after one of his very close colleagues told me that years on, he interviewed me several times. It's like, did you get anybody to invest? I'm like, nobody will. They don't want to touch him. I, I even leaned into it more after he raised suspicion because when the dogs went out, they picked up my tree's footprints there and on his doorstep. And then all of a sudden, her footprints just vanished. So I'm saying, so she vanished from here. But right. nobody's seen a car pick her up. Nobody's seen her get in a car. The UFO didn't come down low enough. It, you know, it, it, it was yeah. just something. But that was the most interesting place that I think they should start asking questions. Well, I, I, and here's another strange thing that people keep omitting before bill smith called there was another lady which we felt that she would had to be part of it what have you but she made the first initial call saying she was driving over there by um it was a, a cross street um lost hills and some other street and they said they saw a black lady looking rather suspicious and strange. Um, you know, they're from Malibu and not to sound racist or whatever she said, but we just know that this is a person that is not from here, could be lost or whatever. But yeah. that was the first call. Um, and they said that call came in at six. 
Then one of the residents on Bill's Street said, according to one of the reports, the police came around 12 something or whatever, or 12 or three, I, I may be a little off, but one of those time frames. But they said the police never showed up. Right. They never showed up. And of course, we're not privy to any uh, uh, traveling records or logging and stops or anything of that nature. So they wouldn't give us that. Now, we found no evidence that anyone in Montanito did anything suspicious. But there are a lot of other people living in those hills. Could Maitrese have encountered some of them? The Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area is known for horse trails and hikes and wine tours. But it also has a dark side. A lot of people use the area to dispose of things they don't want, like trash and bodies. This has been going on for a long time. During the 1980s, the psychopathic serial killing couple Doug Clark and Carol Bundy, nicknamed the Sunset Strip Killers, dumped one of their many female victims here. Over the years, many other bodies have been found here as well. Some were ruled suicides. They wanted to choose a peaceful place to end their own lives. Others have been accidents. When cars veer off one of the twisted roads, or someone jumps into a dam on a dare. Some are still unsolved, like the murder of a 16-year-old who was beaten to death and dumped in a canyon. His remains were burned beyond recognition during a wildfire. Some are violent murders, and many are gang-related. According to the Los Angeles Times, the MS-13 street gang has been active in the area. In 2019, police arrested several members of the gang and charged them with seven murders in the hills around Malibu in the Angeles National Forest. Federal investigators said that the gang lured their enemies to remote locations, including the canyon, and then killed them using medieval methods, including torture and dismemberment. Federal prosecutors say that the gang used machetes, knives, and baseball bats to kill suspected informants. In one instance, when gang members suspected someone of defacing an MS-13 graffiti tag, six of them kidnapped him, took him to the Angeles National Forest, and attacked him with a machete. Prosecutors say they cut his heart out. In May 2018, the body of a 52-year-old man named Francisco Cruz was discovered in a ditch by the side of the road, dumped near the Malibu Hindu Temple. This is a massive white landmark that people flock to. It's also very near the area where Maitrese's body was found. Francisco reportedly died from sharp force injuries to the upper body and blunt force injury to the head. And according to a source quoted by The Hollywood Reporter, his body showed signs of torture, possibly with a drill. Two months later, the body of another man was found on Payuma Road, again in the same area. It was later revealed that he died of a gunshot wound. Police say that both murders were gang-related. And in at least one case, gang members have inflicted this medieval-style violence on an innocent bystander. He was a homeless man who was temporarily living in a park controlled by the gang. But gang killings generally involve very visible trauma like guns or blunt force objects. And they've tended to be dumped near major roads or public sites. These bodies were meant to be found. 
and meant to make a statement to the gang's enemies. Unlike Mitrice's body, which was found in an extremely remote location that could not be accessed by car. There are also drifters and homeless people who live in the hills. Like Anthony Rauda, a homeless drifter who was charged with the Malibu Creek State Park shootings. Now, many people believe that Rauda wasn't the only person shooting at human targets in the hills over the years. But either way, while the vast majority of transient people in the mountains are harmless, there are violent criminals living up there. Due to COVID, we've been stuck inside, so we've had to look at alternative ways of gathering evidence. During one of those late-night sessions, we found another mysterious video that surfaced on YouTube with a man who claims to have seen Mitrice on the night she disappeared. It was posted by a woman who describes herself as a psychic topless activist. She posts clips on her website. Some are really out there descriptions of lizard people and complex conspiracy theories, but there's one clip that could potentially be very relevant to Mitrice's case. It's from 2012, and it's an interview with a local man who claimed that he saw Mitrice on the night she disappeared. He said that he was walking down the mountain at around 4.30 in the morning at Wood Bluff and Cole Canyon when he saw a house with a horseshoe driveway and a tennis court, presumably Bill Smith's house. He said Mitrice was at the front door of the property. He said he couldn't see her because there were parked cars blocking his view in the driveway but he said that he could hear her screaming at something. He couldn't make out what she was saying, but he said that she was angry and cursing. He claimed that police questioned him, and he admitted that he had a criminal record, which made him reluctant to talk to police at first. We wanted to find the man so that we could interview him ourselves, but we learned that, sadly, he passed away. Another dead end. And there's another group of people, who were omnipresent and invisible, the cartel. Remember that on the day that Mitrice's body was found, park rangers were looking for the remnants of an illegal marijuana grow. The Santa Monica Mountains have many areas that make them ideal for an illegal grow, especially in 2009 and 2010, before marijuana was made legal in California. During those years, Park rangers and Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department deputies confiscated tons of plants, thousands upon thousands of acres of pot, worth hundreds of millions of dollars. According to sources who spoke to The Hollywood Reporter, Mexican cartels send growers to cultivate marijuana in the mountain near Malibu Creek State Park. This is a massive, multi-billion dollar business. They work in pairs or sometimes in groups. They hide in the hills and camp near the crop until the plants are ready to harvest. This way, they didn't have to worry about smuggling the product across the border. There have been no official reports of cartel links to the bodies found in Malibu Creek State Park. But unlike the gangs, cartel members are deep in the woods, in areas where no one else goes for weeks at a time. And there's something else. Sicarios, or drug cartel hitmen, often slit their victims' throats. When we hiked through Dark Canyon, we saw irrigation hoses. On the day the park rangers found Mitrice's body, they saw irrigation hoses too. But Rhonda was clear. 
She told us that when she and Mitrice's family members hiked up to the site where the remains were found, those hoses had been removed by law enforcement. So it looks like the cartel may have come back at some point. Other than the creek bed, there is another way to get to the area where Mitrice was found, through the back of a private property that the police used to start their hike. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. It was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. 
Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But my point is, if, you, if I, we scre- either, either of us screamed really loudly right now, there are a bunch of houses right there. Yeah. If you needed help and we're like, you know, I feel like people would hear you here. We are the only people up here. Remember when my producer, Gabby, and I went out into the woods, we found it almost impossible to get to the coordinates where my Teresa's body was found. Because it's like this down here, is this the creek bed? We agreed that it would have been very difficult for my Teresa to have walked that route through the creek bed on her own. We started from the backbone trail. So we just have to keep hiking down. Veered off that trail and went along the creek bed heading east. So she could have, I mean, I I get what you're thinking, she could have fallen. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, though, I would have expected some broken bones. Like if we fell from this height, you would expect there to be some broken bones. There are several ways that my trees could have gone from Bill Smith's house. Behind the house, where my trees' sneaker print stopped, is a horse trail that connects to several more horse trails. They zigzag within Montanito. A couple of branches of these horse trails connect to the Backbone Trail. It's like a labyrinth back there. One way puts you back out on Payuma Road before the entrance to Montanito. Another way puts you out on the other side of Payuma Road. All of these routes still put you about a mile out from where Mitrice's body was found in the middle of the woods. But the horse trail does connect to one other property. It's called Malibu Canyon Ranch. The property is a large 1970s ranch house. You can actually rent it for $195 an hour for shoots. There's a walk-in saltwater pool and a former production house where many types of productions have been shot over the years. If you're walking along Paima Road, there's a long driveway up to the property. The back of the property runs along a ridgeline that descends into the creek bed, near the clearing where Mitrice's body was found. It's so close that when we were on our hike in the woods, we could hear the roar of an engine from up on that property. People call this property the Porn Ranch. It's owned by a woman named Suze Randall. A few years ago, Vice UK wrote a profile on Suze Randall. They wrote, quote, Her name should be one of the most iconic in porn. She was the first female Playboy photographer to shoot a full frontal, the first woman to sell her nude photographs to the sun, end quote. But Suze Randall is notoriously private. And while a lot of her past has been racy by her own admission, she's always been known as a consummate professional. Her work focuses on making women feel comfortable during shoots. Her daughter, Holly Randall, followed her mother into the business. Though the women are pretty private, they don't seem to be operating in any type of a shadowy, nefarious underworld. Their work is out in the open and very mainstream. It's like a lot of 
people who have looked into this case over the the years or that you know they kind of make reference to this but then as you were saying this is it's just kind of like a distraction to the case and the only thing that's interesting about that property really is its proximity the location. Yeah. yeah but that yeah, no, I don't think there's anything to that I, yeah. my, whole, my whole question about them is only literally only because of where it is because that's a property that given the fact that this is an investigation into a disappearance and that area, that is the property where that can be accessed. Like, that's my question. Not any, it doesn't have anything to do to me with a pornography or anything like that. It, to me, that's pretty irrelevant. It's, it's literally the fact that that it's that location. It, like literally that, that house could be anyone in any industry. I feel like, again, like the fact that there's, they happen to work in pornography, um, they happen to work in the adult industry. I really feel like that's become a distraction to this case. It's one of those things that's a like a weird distraction when in reality people should just focus on the fact that the property is in a location where she could have walked through it. And so that's the reason it's interesting to me for the investigation. Again, I think I think much like the graffiti that was found, sometimes people can see um, come up with, you know, in the absence of information, sometimes people fill in the blanks. And I just think that you know, their graffiti and um, the fact that pornography is filmed at that ranch sometimes um, are both totally irrelevant. But we can't know for sure from looking at a map. Once again, we can't find anyone in authority to go with us. And we don't know for sure that we'll have cooperation from property owners. We need to figure out if Maitrice could have walked to that location on her own. Pandemic or no pandemic, we're going up that mountain. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Hell and Gone. Hell and Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It's written and narrated by me, Katherine Townsend. Our producers are Gabby Watts, Taylor Church, and James Morrison. Music is by Ben Salee. Mix is by Tune Welders. Our executive producers are Brandon Barr, Elsie Crowley, and Brian Lavin. Special thanks to Chip Croft for use of footage from his documentary, Lost Compassion. School of Humans. School of Humans. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.